Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start, Start saving, saving today. today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're the one thing I can't get enough of. Cucumber bologna now. So I'll tell you something. Right. This could be love. Waffles, eggs, and cheese. I've had the time of my life. And I fucked a grown man <laughs> in a cabin right. next to my father. You were 18. Yeah. It was fine. <laughs> I, I she had to get over had her Lex, Lexi, Lexus complex. Yes. yes. I feel great about this movie. So excited. I was so nervous that watching this movie again, because as someone that has seen this movie a hundred million times, but I haven't seen it in probably 12 years. Samesies. I was like, all right, let me just see. Let me see if just crazy old horn dog Zabrowski <laughs> just like, uh, uh, but you know what? Old crazy horn dog, 34 year old Jackie Zabrowski. Also, I'm like the wind. I'm out of his oh, yeah. league. I just want to touch him. I'm pretty sure touch him. it's supposed to kind of be like a coming of coming. Coming <laughs> of, of jizz movement. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. Like, it's like the, the lift at the end is her finally having an orgasm. Right, right. right. And becoming a full woman in yeah. front That's of her parents right and it. a bunch of people yeah. in front of her parents. <laughs> I, who, dad, by the way, if I was her dad, I'd be so like, sir, funny. I'm going to throw you so hard through the well, window after manhandling my daughter in front of, in all, front of, of these all of people. these people. He says, his, her dad says, you looked incredible. You looked yeah. Incredible. It's like, Ugh. I mean, it's impressive dance. I would be, I'd be like, great. Yeah, a, it's like a great dance moves. <laughs> B, oh, yeah, of course. If that man runs his fucking hands <laughs> over your side tit one, one more, more time, time, I'm going to fucking. <laughs> but, Daddy, shoot. it's dirty dancing. <laughs> Daddy, don't. Uh, you know what? Jerry Orbach, I actually really um, appreciated his they character. They took his eyes. I know. God, that's all I can ever think about when I don't, see him now. Well, he, had, he still had his eyes in this. <laughs> I, don't think about the future. I can't. Ever get that out of my brain? He still had his eyes. Have we here. said this before on the show? Yeah, what the, that means the, okay. Yeah, there's billboards about how Jerry Orbach <laughs> donated his eyes. He the was whole... promoting donating his eyes to. Well, he was good. dead. Yeah, he yes. was dead, but yes. was promoting his, the fact that he donated his eyes. The whole to time, people. I was just like, I wonder who has Jerry Orbach's eyes now. When I was watching the movie, when yeah, he yeah. was a good father, I feel like I, you know, for a father at this time period. Oh yeah, I actually was very surprised at how he acts in this yeah. again. 
then as an adult watching this, I was like, you know what? Good for him. For he real. gave her the money, didn't also, ask. Also, like, supported you. her education. Supported yeah. her education. Still you know? did the pursue. Still helped her friend, even though afterwards he's like, you fucked up. You know you fucked up. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and you know, kind of threw her in the doghouse for a little bit there. But, I mean, I think, honestly. She was still slobbing on that knob in the uh, night. Maybe she wanted to be in that doghouse. Yeah, you know she likes saying? being in that doghouse. Yes, she does. Living on a rainy day for charades. I wonder what kind of charades they were playing. I, if you haven't watched it though in a bit, just I would say pause this and go watch it again, and then come back to it because I am throbbing for this movie in the way that I really was hoping that I was going to after watching it again. It's also it's like hour and forty minutes. It is such a lovely. Tight. Wait, wait, wait. We're talking about the 2017 one, right? <laughs> I'm gonna die. Natalie watched the Natalie 2017 version. Bad. The 2017 version is, we will just note all, right here and now talking about that it was absolutely horrendous. And, you know, maybe we'll mention it again at the end. <laughs> but I will I will say, I, would, I do want to get back to the personal gush of it all, right? Because yeah, for me, again, gush. I feel like as, as with many uh, episode topics for pop history, I didn't really explore this a lot in my youth because not only was it, A, a girl movie for girls, uh, it was also a parent movie for my parents. And so that soundtrack is just completely the background of my trips to the beach. That's how they got horny. Exactly, right? Family vacations to the mountains. And um, I think my dad has OCD, so he has to listen to every track on the album. So we definitely also always had to listen to that. Help the hearts and hands. <laughs> and we'd be like, Dad, don't make us this <laughs> listen song. to this. This song. is like a weird joke song in the album. Like, fucking skip it. And he's like, oh, no, no, you gotta look. Help the hearts and hands. So needless to say, Holden was not as horny today when we showed up as I was. I mean, I will say. No, I was actually weirdly emotional too, but I think that's also because I'm having a daughter soon. But uh, I I loved watching this movie finally for the first time all the way through. Knowing, realizing though, as I was watching, it was like, this was on in the background. I've definitely seen this whole scene before. I've seen this scene. I probably, probably saw every scene but the sex scenes, right? So it was- Only the, uh, good, the good ones. You the good, yeah, exactly. I missed all the good stuff and only saw the bad stuff. But I, uh, <laughs> I really do love this movie and also learning more about this film that it was really written um, in a lot of ways as like a feminist piece mm-hmm. as from this woman who uh, she'd written a novel about before this two like strong female characters that were, you know, a part of, you know, protests and things like that. And- really getting in there with all this kind of stuff and really just, and we've seen this before in pop history episodes and I love when people do it really just like tricking the studio into letting her get this abortion subplot through. That was really the most important part of the movie kind of in a certain way and in a political way and uh, forcing it because it was so tied to the plot that it was undeniable. Yeah. You know? That you couldn't just take it out yeah. of the movie easily, which is why she did that in the first place. It was an abortion, Wait. Michael! Whoa. And like Jackie, were just, Jackie were just saying, as kids, I don't think either of us really understood what was happening there. It was just like, oh, she got... Sick downstairs, something happened. Yeah, and I thought that she lost the baby. I think that as a, a oh, young so you're, person, you're that, I was just like, <laughs> did it what? throw up down there? <laughs> I watched. I know. I just I watched it a lot. Lexi and it went said from the same thing, not understanding it. Yeah, and then into thinking that I oh she lost the baby, and that's why she, which you know, does also wreck your body. But it is which uh, 
uh, Eleanor Bergstein did say why he said the dirty knife and the folding table mm-hmm. line yes. is because they needed to get across without showing it that she got an abortion. They never say yeah. the word no. abortion. I don't even nope. think they say they the don't. word pregnancy. So No, they, they said that she, up. yeah, she's yeah. knocked up. Got her into trouble. Uh, yeah. You're the one. I know it wasn't you that got her into trouble. Got her into trouble. <laughs> and then he goes, uh, who's responsible Christ. for this girl? <laughs> yeah, who's responsible? Yeah, Lexi pointed that out too. Who's responsible for this girl? Lexi was like, what the fuck? I, actually, I was like, you know what I mean. I, mean, it's, 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 I noticed for the very first time that there's blood in that scene. I had ah, never seen that before, yeah. but when they go to her bedside, it is all blood. Maybe it's that yeah. 4K version that we, yeah, fight, right. we got to see. Also, though, I want uh, so I wanted to ask you two this. I think it's way more interesting from your perspective, especially because I didn't really watch it when I was a kid. This movie not only had that abortion stuff, but also had this like unbelievable amount of horniness to it. Ooh. What was that for y'all? Because I think that is, is the more interesting thing here that you're like, taking in this film and like the dancing's fucking amazing and it's like a really fun movie for a young girl and at the same time it's got some heavy kind of more adulty kind of stuff going on maybe in the loin area. Oh yeah. So mm. let's get all right, you know me I'm going to turn the lights down low a little oh, bit. Oh, we're going to get into and I just it. Want you to <laughs> yeah, I want the two, you know, sister-in-laws. Yeah, to, to talk about our horniness. Speak about your horniness I know when you were young. For a 100% fact that the first time I started being obsessed with this movie, I did think that Patrick Swayze was 55 years old. I mean, he was 35. He, and for for someone uh, at the age of like 10, 12, that you may as well be a hundred million. And how old's he supposed to be? He's 25. supposed to be 25, 25. yes. Okay. And she's supposed to be 18, but in reality, she was 27. Yes. And he's 35. Oh, she's so, so hot. Both it's of them, gorgeous. I mean, really, really are. And I, but the problem is that, like, I never was into Jennifer Grey. That really wasn't my type. So I, in watching it, I knew that it was horny, but really who I wanted to be was everyone else in the dirty dancing scene yeah. in the nighttime. There's the one woman, uh-huh. and I remember specifically with the short hair. Oh, yeah, she's great. That is Ben. That's who I wanted to fuck and who I wanted to be. <laughs> yeah. I just, and I thought, I asked her, Natalie this before we started recording. I was like, I was like, is that? What dancey people did in secret, I thought there was like that there was a bandoliers of sexy people grinding on each other in the underneath somewhere, and I had to find it. And then I started going to raves, and I was like, "This uh, isn't it." Yeah, yeah I thought it's baggy. It was baggy and comfortable, and doing their yeah, also, they're like, like sucking on each other's necks. But I wanted grindage from fucking front butts to front and butts. Instead, yeah. Ed- Edwards in a K hole over there in the corner, you're like Edward. Yeah. Get out of here. Yeah, he, he, thinks, he thinks he's dancing. sucking on he's my like ankles. He's on the ground. He's like, oh man, I'm doing it. I'm kicking ass I'm right now. really dancing great right now. Everybody right? is pacifiers. <laughs> but <laughs> I wanted this. I wanted this kind of dirty yeah, dancing. Yeah, I, I don't think in real life most of the people had 15 plus years of dance technique because so all hot. of these dancers clearly did. So but hot. yeah, I mean, that scene is fantastic. But wasn't also, I do actually think, Jackie, that it was a thing that like after a, Ba- ballet show or a musical or whatever, a lot of those dancers would go to the club and like rip it up in a filthy Oh, yeah. Room. And yeah, if I- center stage has taught us anything. Yeah. And, and, oh, see, I think I just, <laughs> I'm a bitch for both center stage oh, and man. dirty dancing of this secret underground world of dancing. Yes. That definitely, you know, Liz, reading about Eleanor Bergstein's life, who this is based on and yes. whose experiences this is based on, that did happen in the 50s and 60s, but it is not something I don't think that currently 
currently happens today, or maybe it does secret like such dance. No, the, everything must be recorded now. So, Natalie, take me to the secret dance rooms. I know you know where they are. I did used to do it sometimes, especially in college. But yeah. I don't. I'm sure they still fucking do that. But it's hard Nobody to make anything private now. Yeah, Somebody's exactly. filming it. Someone's um, filming it, and but someone's yeah. yes. Sucking oh, a dick a, on camera. Oh, as, as a kid, I didn't actually <laughs> think about it in a s- horny way at all. When I was oh, little. okay, interesting. Yeah, so it was just like I love this dance movie. I was and so, romance. I was movie. so. Fo- I wasn't the romance. I was focused on the dance the whole yeah. time. And I like. I don't know, like the scenery of it, just like the 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 tone of the movie is just, was really appealing to me. The I think conservative as a kid. and versus well, the... just like the pretty being at a camp, yeah, fancy thing and yeah. all that. Um, you know, like I used to go to, um, but um, yeah, no, I uh, I think now watching it as an adult, I'm much more like, whoa, okay. Like I was very yep. focused in on the like tight shots and stuff. And I was that, like, yep. wow. That okay. scene. And I love how little dialogue happens too when a lot of this chemistry is going yeah. down. That scene where he teaches her how to dance at, at the secret dance party. Mamma mia. Like no dialogue at all. And there's so much stuff. I said after that scene in it, I was like, that was amazing. No dialogue. And so much happened between those two characters. And so much happened in terms of like their relationship development. And just in that moment together, they played a whole scene I love seeing stuff like that. I, yeah. It's so well done. And also reading a lot more about Patrick Swayze and his uh, training before this movie made me, I was electrified by him yeah. oh, in, yeah, this, in this watching yeah. of it. And I, you know, I love ghosts. I love Patrick Swayze and so many others, especially like romantic type things. But reading about how Jennifer Grey and Patrick Swayze didn't like each other makes it that much more electrifying of the fact that they used the passion of like we have to make this magic together right we don't have a lot of time and we have to get capture it was it's what makes the uh, chemistry work better it's kind of like that um say anything moment with the speaker and how they were both uncomfortable with that scene and you know for different reasons and that's why it charged it well i think their opposition to each other is what weirdly created the chemistry with each other yeah and i really i feel like jennifer gray too just was one of the few people who could pull that part off in the right way because she didn't do the overly I'm so pretty thing. She was really... Well, I mean, that in the 19... You know, 2007... Remake, of course, as well. Yeah, to, uh, 2017 one. <laughs> oh, 2017. I, oh, I'm sorry. I was thinking of the 2007 one where they did like a Xanadu crossover. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dirty Zoo. Dirty Zoo. Oh, they both had the same choreographer. We're a bunch uh, of monkeys dancing <laughs> in a zoo. It's Dirty Zoo for you. Yeah, I'm scared I, I, of Dirty Zoo. <laughs> I feel like all my clothes are going to be ripped off. What about Dirty Xana zoo. dancing? Xanadu. That sounds like Xanax dancing. Xanax, yes. yeah. That's just mumble rap. Now we just come now back to mumble, mumble rap. Oh, yeah, now we're in mumble rap. Uh, no, but yeah, I think with her, as a kid, I realized now looking back that I was so uh, like fucked up by the 90s ideas of what pretty girls were mm. that I didn't understand how beautiful and like compelling charismatic she was as a kid because mm. I was used to, you know, we, we had a very unhealthy version of what beauty was in the 90s I think yeah and it sucks because she's incredible in that and she's amazing and I'm sad that I didn't understand that as a kid yeah and I love her also in terms of her performance I love the joy she shows us when she's dancing and like especially in that final scene when she hits that lift which was 
a one-shot deal that she hadn't done for real until the day. They shot she, it in one take, the yeah. whole last scene. Unbelievable. So, like, literally, but the joy in her face mm-hmm. when they're da- when they're dancing and that oh, yeah. performance is so real and so, just communicates so well. It was interesting. I don't know. I think I'm just more emotional in general, but, like, it was weird. Like, as as, as horny as it made me, as much made my penis get big, hard, and stiff, Jackie, it also made me emotional. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you're An about to have a daughter. Boy. Because, know. you know, yeah, with this, with the family and the whole, you so know, So are you going to give your thing, eyes? Who are you going to give your eyes to? I will give my eyes to my daughter. <laughs> no, I want them. Oh, well, I'm gonna, all right, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to hide one in the North Pole and one in the South <laughs> Oh, that's fun. And it's going to be called the Amazing Holdenic Race. And you're going to, <laughs> each have to, you're going to have to find my eyes. You can choose which pole you want to start with, but she may choose use the same pole. Oh, I don't know, but okay. if each of them end up with one eye, what's the use? You That's know? the thing. So then you have well, to Well, I'm going to put it on my finger and go, Holden sees you. Stop <laughs> <laughs> doing that. You're freaking me out, man. I put it I'm on my forehead and be like, I see everything. No. Yeah, and I'm going to put it in my mouth and go, I'm the left. Please don't do that. I'm the left. I'm scared of you and your eyes. But you know who also really attracted me in this movie in a different way is Cynthia Rhodes, who played Penny. Oh, my God. Because Penny Wow. is I've never been so I, I wasn't I, I was never paying attention to her character really yeah. and she's just talk about I couldn't keep my eyes off her I was like incredible. I don't want to watch Jennifer Grey do it I want to watch Cynthia Rhodes do the rest of it yeah. because she just ooh the way her body moved she's ooh so she's like made out of pudding mm. she loves doing those leg lifts too god you, because she did it all the way up I want to do <laughs> that with somebody nobody up. will do them with me <laughs> oh, oh doesn't Henry don't you guys have the <laughs> yeah, dance floor yeah, he wouldn't does. even watch it with me last night he went full child when he would went like uh, I don't want to watch that. Um, that was exactly <laughs> like, what Jeff did. You Jeff did not watch Seriously? it with me. Yep, you, you wouldn't know watch it with me. You know what it's happened? So he came in every five minutes and watched 10 minutes yeah, of it. Like and then was scene. like, yeah, yeah. And then you go back in. Dude, I'm it's telling a good you, bro, movie. Look, I don't want to call your boyfriend's husband's out for being toxically masculine, but dude. Like I think it's I was drilled surprised. into us because Henry's not toxic. No, man neither at all. is mine. But also, I think There's that just he just—I don't know. It is. It feels like it felt like a kid thing from him. I felt like I saw nineties. Henry, for I'm a telling you, I, yeah. lately I've gone through a phase because, like, you guys they think just it's talking, just a romance. You, well, yeah. and you were and dance movies. You guys were just talking about these dance movies I've never seen. I, I'm I'm totally into them now after especially this, but definitely I I was like, fuck it, I've never Ooh, seen. I think Footloose, you would like, like Center Stage. Oh, yeah. I'll totally oh, watch Center God, Stage. Please, anytime. It's my one of my favorites. Oh, great! We should do a fucking episode. On I would it too. love I, to. I, do. I'm like all about these. These. I'm all. Natalie I, and I do. We both. I love dance movies. No, and yeah. I just saw like. This is insane to say out loud, but I just saw West Side Story for the first time oh, this week dude. and fucking loved oh it. I'm going to watch God. Newsies probably over the weekend because yeah. that's another one that's been missing. And I'm now and I'm just also like, Corey, the choreographer of Dirty Dancing, was the director of Newsies. Yes. I had no Whoa, idea. Like, I oh my that. God, we're going to get into And Kenny did like all the choreography, by the way, for like the high school musical yeah. movies and like we gotta all jump the into this movie. Let's I've, get we've into got this so stuff. much to talk about. I'm so fired up. Let's go. Dirty Dancing, <laughs> 1987 romantic drama dance film written by Eleanor Bergstein, directed by Emile Ardolino, and stars Jennifer Grey as Frances Baby Houseman, who goes with her family to a vacation resort and falls in love with a dance instructor named Johnny Castle, played by Patrick Swayze. Oh yeah, also it's an abortion, Michael. <laughs> oh my god, there <laughs> is an abortion, Michael. But before we get to that fucking shit, yeah. let's, let's talk about Eleanor Bergstein. <laughs> 
Eleanor Bergstein, uh, the younger of two daughters of a Jewish doctor from New York. Tell me if you've heard this one before, if you've seen the movie. Right? Uh-oh. Uh, although we will get into it's not just baby that she's based on. Ooh. Yes, yes, yes. Her mother mostly raised the girls with the father working all the time. And in the summer, they would go to a luxury resort called Grossinger's Catskill Resort Hotel in the Catskill Mountains. Uh, Bergstein said, while they played golf... It was the only place women were allowed to tee off early in the morning along with the men, and my mother was a champion golfer. I hit the, which also gives you some context of the time period. I hit the dance studios. I pressed my 10-year-old nose against the glass windows and finally got to go inside. Every other night, there was a champagne contest at the hotel, and I danced the mambo and the cha-chas with the professionals and always won. My parents drank the champagne. I think it was the idea of this uh, appetitive little girl in her organdy ruffled dress doing these sultry dances with such determination that brought the house down each night. So definitely that aesthetic, right? The like very conservative from a rich Jewish family, little girl ripping it up, doing the mambo on the dance floor. Which is exactly what I thought it was going to be, which I know you guys have heard the story of Henry and I on the cruise ship in the <laughs> night going to the dance Please clubs. retell. On the cruise ships and we would just like dance our asses off but everyone thought that we were married and also we were so fat and ugly that everyone thought we no. were in our 30s. So no one... <laughs> ID'd us and we would dance on the floors but it wasn't like dirty dancing I kept Uh. wanting it to be like dirty dancing really what it was was a bunch of just like drunk swingers that were way too old for us to be dancing were you were you also at least drunk dancing um yeah yeah I was 18 and drunk dancing did Um, you have any prospects there were they were you well, there was one couple that certainly wanted to swing with Henry and I, and uh, oh. we had to be like, we are brother and sister. And they're like, and they're like oh, shit. They're like, and also, we're children. Yes, go on. Yeah. And children, and we're children. And, children. Uh, and there was, uh, the other prospect was actually an old prospector. Oh, and and cool. he said, is there gold in them there, ships? <laughs> and then he brought me to a ship, yeah. and he, then it was the Titanic, and then we all died. It was and an abortion, Michael. Don't. And then they did the clay on the subway. Oh, my train. God, just like the ghost. Oh, my God, with the ceramic pot. Okay, I don't even want to talk about that because that I did start crying last night about him and his wife, oh. Patrick Swayze and his wife. Oh, don't. And then, of course, the remembrance, which always, we're going to get to. Why does there always have to be a sad tragedy underneath every single episode we do? He's a cowboy that also is a ballet dancer. I fell in love with Patrick Swayze all over so again. Much. And his wife. I'm in love with God his wife. Damn. So much. Eleanor Bergstein also said, then in high school, I dirty danced in basements with the street kids in my class. <laughs> uh, like, kind of Jackie was for I want to secret do it. dance parties. My parents were okay as long as I kept my grades up and was going to college. Uh, and also, she was indeed nicknamed Baby and now as a I, kid. I do want to say, so uh, Eleanor Bergstein has openly said as well that it, like in her sisterdom, she also had an older sister like in the movie, but actually the uh, personalities were switched. Oh. She was way more of the buttoned up one and it was her older sister that was a bit more of the free spirit that wanted to go out and do what she wanted to do. Because even like she said, she kept her grades up, she was going to college, she did this at night and it wasn't so much the like, I'm gonna go be my own thing, daddy. It was more of like a, well, you guys are doing other shit so I'm gonna go dance in the night and as long as I keep my grades up, it's fine. Yeah. And she also, so she feels that she's a mixture of Lisa, who's Baby's older sister, Baby, as well as the Penny character, because as we'll learn later on, she goes to start teaching at these resorts as well, and she feels a lot, and that's why she, part of the reason why she needed to keep the Penny abortion thing in, because of the, like, 
solicitous relationship. Is that the word? Salacious. 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 Solicitous. Yeah, she was selling her <laughs> pussy door was, to door. That's what, that's what that guy inferred when he was being <laughs> <laughs> No, she had a salacious relationship with another dance instructor, which we will get to in a moment. Well, we should probably get yeah. to the next. My next oh, thing yeah, is you want to get to it next? My next mm. thing is her selling a script mm. called It's My Turn. So if you want to get fill us in up until that point when we get to her really working on the Dirty Dancing script, please. Don't get too In the summer of 1940. Right, good <laughs> Lord, Jackie's over here making these eye movements. I know what they mean. Jesus. In the summer of 1949. Back when the dinosaurs so, rode <laughs> Johnny Castle. Then there was water parks. And finally, this woman was born. Johnny Castle is based on a real person named Mike Terrace. Mike Terrace began working as a dance teacher at Grossinger's Hotel, the Catskill Resort, with the largest and most prestigious dance staff, which is also where... Baby went as a teenager and would start to teach dance at later on in her life. Mike recalls that his life at Grossinger's was filled with temptations to service wealthy women and more than just dancing, much like that of the dance teachers portrayed in the film Dirty Dancing. One summer, the tap dancer, Georgie Taps, an idol of Mike Natalie Terrace. and I right now are slowly backing out of the room, <laughs> by the way. I just want everybody to know that. Sorry if we just completely leave for the rest of the episode. Jack's in full reverie. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. So Georgie Taps shows Whoa. <laughs> By the way, none of this is actually what happened. This Jackie's what making happened. all of this up, obviously, with these clearly fake names. Georgie Tapps George shows Tapps up. Is a dancer. Also, with his Michael name was Mike Terrace. Mike Terrace aside, and Georgie Tapps is you shit. Know. You don't know how to dance. You want to learn how to dance? You go to ballet school. You sign up and take advantage of the GI Bill that's rightfully yours. You become a dancer. You want to be a dancer? Give up the shit. All you're going to do is become a gigolo here. And then you're going to discard you when you're too old. Wow. And he took that to heart. He got. He, he did, took the GI Bill. He became a dancer. He comes back to teach. And eventually he meets Eleanor Bergstein. They stop one, one summer when they are both consenting adults mm -hmm. and so that definitely came in uh, to play when writing the character of Penny love it and um man Georgie Taps get fucked so alright <laughs> wait did Georgie <laughs> Taps too bad yeah I thought no Georgie good. Taps is great Georgie Taps is good great. changed Michael Terrace's life there and Johnny Castle went uh, essentially the, the real life version sometimes when she gets horny her rage gets mixed in in bizarre ways and she bursts yeah. out in weird strange oh, Michael, Michael Terrace <laughs> I don't believe that tap dancing yeah. on Michael Terrace so Ryan Kitchen Table this just means she wants to hate fuck the guy that yeah, doesn't yeah, mean yeah, she yeah, actually yeah, yeah, hates yeah. the guy uh, so cut to 1980 <laughs> Eleanor is in her 40s and and she manages to sell a script called It's My Turn, which is made. It's my turn. And it's I dance with old men. Yep, it was made starring Michael Douglas, uh, who is now old. Uh, it's about a woman <laughs> in a passionless relationship who goes off and has an affair with a married man while visiting New York. Interesting. Uh, yeah, it's very, again, a very, very, very much about like female empowerment. And this is the theme in all of her work. Uh, it is not super memorable, but Eleanor does write a scene in the script, an erotic dancing scene, mm. which was cut by the producers from the film. And this event Ew. prompts Eleanor Bergstein to write a whole story inspired by that scene and her dance competitions of her youth. And she pitches the idea to an executive at MGM named Eileen Missell, who teams her up with producer Linda Gottlieb. And it's Gottlieb who is going to be her partner to really get this 
unmakeable movie apparently made, even though it's super cheap to make and seems like it would be a smart movie to make. But of course, as always is the case, it's like this big fight to get this movie made. Gottlieb up to this point had only really done short films, made for TV movies. But honestly, and this is just throwing it out there in a general business sense, as I've seen this time and time again, sometimes it's, in fact, a lot of times, especially if you're up and coming, it's actually way better to get paired with a producer or an agent or someone who is actually scrappy and hungry as opposed to the big deal agent who is kind of already high in the hog and you know has a bunch of great clients and doesn't really need you as much. And it seems like this Gottlieb lady needs something like big. And so she's really a a big cheerleader for Bergstein. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money, which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And what is crazy is that it really is just like, man, ooh, I want to say a dog with a bone, but I don't mean that in a like, hey, I was a bitch with a big old bowl of bitch soup. Got a big old red rock. What's in bitch soup first? What's in bitch soup? That's what I want to know. Onions? Sass? Sass? Oh, it's just emotion? It's sass, trauma. And garlic. And garlic. And horniness. And horny and extra garlic. Extra garlic. It is interesting to watch, like, and also so inspirational that Bergstein and Gottlieb and them making this movie and how Bergstein wanted it the way that she wanted it. She wasn't going to concede the way that she had in her previous project of dropping things. That's why she writes the abortion so into the plot. It's an abortion, Michael. (laughs) She wants to make sure that the bigger elements that she wants to include in this, as well as, which we'll get to later, the music of the time period that she was very, very strict about. And she, um, especially because it was her story and it was so personal to her that she refused to give up. And we'll see that once, you know, they start hacking away at the money that they're going to give them to make it and everything else. Eleanor said, I wanted to use that world, which was my parents' world, what I would call the last summer of liberalism. When the world had one foot in either camp, but it was about to change, as Max says at oh the God. end. The following summer, the summer of 64, you couldn't have told that story because all that music was above ground then and all the guests would have been doing that kind of rock band thing. As I said, two months later, John Kennedy was killed and two months later, the Beatles came in and a few months later, radical action started. So this was the last summer there could be an upstairs and a downstairs in that way, which I feel like we feel even more today than ever. Man, I can't even. Uh, I can't even. Eleanor also said, (laughs) yes, you can, Natalie. (laughs) Women empowerment, yes. Yes, you can. Uh, I'm always very anxious, said Eleanor. 
to be in those moments just before transition. In my mind, it's like the year 2000, right, for us, or even 2001 before September, you know, uh, or even a, uh, in, in more modern times, right before the probably the Trump presidency, right? And, yeah, because uh, I mean, 99, 2000, culture was kind of dead. <laughs> yeah, it was a little different in that sense. Yeah, it's kind of revved it. I love it, kind of revved it up a little bit. Really did. Uh, but uh, <laughs> regardless, uh, she said, I was enormously interested in bringing back that time, both politically and socially in America, when everybody really believed that the world had been made safe by World War II. And the only thing left to do was make it safe for everybody. So the large Jewish community gave lots and lots of money to SNCC and CORE and uh, supported the Freedom Riders. And Martin Luther King made his speech that summer in 1963. Just when the Housemans are at Kellerman's is the I Have a Dream speech in Washington. So. And now horrible GOP Republicans quote the one line from Martin Luther King. Yeah, if for you can't agendas. handle me at my best, you don't deserve me. At my, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, this is also the and, and <laughs> like thinking of the like not only the political scene is changing, but so is the music scene. In the summer of '63, yes. it was the last real summer before rock and roll invaded be the my, country, and my, the Beatles, be the Beatles came in. And she said, "I wanted to bring back that." partner dancing, the mambo, the cha-cha, but also the music of partner dancing in a way that everything was about to change. And especially thinking of the naivete of not knowing that everything is about to change, which is also reminiscent Terrifying? of how oh. baby changes in this summer of thinking it's just going to be a regular summer and then she comes out of it completely different. Oh, won't you stay? Stay just a little bit longer. I do like uh, Jennifer Grey had said that that's how she feels that the this movie is timeless. She said, it's the idea that transformation is possible with the synergy that happens when somebody else sees something in you that you don't see or that you wish someone else could see. They don't change you, but the connection creates an opening a possibility that we are all more than we thought we could be with that limited idea isn't that kind of the dream uh, maybe it's just me growing up but it was always the dream that like somebody would come along and just be like i see you special i can tell it in your eyes but not like romantically just <laughs> yeah. like they're gonna make me a star you got yeah. something kid yeah We're gonna take you to the moon yeah yeah oh yeah i'll take you to the moon whoa oh, with our front but i will say when front. people and say they, that and then they're like it's a bringer show uh, so we're gonna need <laughs> yeah. you to bring at least oh, 15 great. people oh cool I, or the other side of that is, I do see something in you. You must come to my cabana yeah, yeah. for three hours. I do something I in you. I see ooh. your vagina. Yes, and, I see ooh, your You want me to crawl into your hammock? Okay. <laughs> yeah. uh, so yes, also, not to bring it back to Michael, but let's talk about Michael for a little bit. The abortion subplot was deliberately put into this steamy romantic dance movie to get those audience members looking at and thinking about something they might not normally. And this is something I feel like, again, time-wise... We don't think about. I mean, an, an, an abortion as a part of a Fast Times at Ridgemont High crushed it. Sure, it. Uh, that's you know, about it, though. You've got yeah, maybe that, and pretty much that, and and there's not a whole lot else when it comes to darker themes in, in a film such as this. And so this was really important that this was put into the film, and that actually eventually lost them a sponsor, which Eleanor it was Clearasil. It was Clearasil, which she was excited about because there were gonna canceled. Be, there were going to be Clearasil. You know, advertisements on the poster for Dirty Dancing. They so she also, was like, thank God they dropped. But they needed money they so money. badly. Oh, sure, so the course. fact that she again wouldn't, she was like, I'd be happy to cut it out, but it's the reason for the dancing. It's the reason Baby Meets Johnny, that she learns to dance. They have sex and fall in love. It's the reason. 
reason that her father gets involved. Without the abortion, the whole story falls apart. What if she just gets pregnant, gets married, and has a beautiful family, and that's why she couldn't dance <laughs> I think that, you know, well, and I think that she could dance even while pregnant. Lexi, <laughs> right. you hear me? You could do anything she you put your pregnant mind to. She loves to dance But I pregnant. do love this, that uh, Bergstein says that if you want to put a moral message in your story, make sure it's written into the whole story, and it's the reason the story takes place. Otherwise, it will end up on the cutting room floor. Also this from Eleanor, and this is the most like radicalized person in the late 60s thing to say, but I'll still say it anyways, and I still enjoy it. What I would like to do is get young people to understand that the most exciting, most sexual, most alive thing you could do is be very, very active in politics. I think that's the only thing that will turn I mean, the world around yeah. in the way it needs to be. Yeah, we're crushing it. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, also, with that abortion scene, too, I, it's, of course, not surprising, but it, it's never talked about that the, the guy lied to her, abandoned her, mm -hmm. and then calls her trash on the, in the movie. It's always like, why is she so, why is she getting the abortion? It's like, look at the fucking dude who just knocked her up. He's a piece of shit. No, right? it's the woman's fault, oh. Natalie. Oh. At least they do turn the lens on him by the end of the film when it comes to the well, Don't worry, we'll get into yeah. the curse of the set yes. because the unfortunately the actor does get his, I yeah. guess you could say. Oh wait, I don't know this part. Oh, we're gonna get into the curse oh, of Dirty Dancing. Uh, but before we do that, let's even just get this movie at all able to be made. So with the script, everybody finished, hated this. Everybody script. hates it. Everybody hates it. They the the and the MGM who took them up on it in the first place, as always happens, the management turned over and uh, the new yeah. fold. They were so like, was, we don't like this. Get this out. That's of here. what it is. So originally, um, producer Gottlieb had costed the film out at eight million at the very cheapest it could be made, and when this turnover happens to over to Vestron Pictures. They only gave them five million. They had already said yes, and then they took three million away from it. That's almost half the amount. And they didn't have any idea. And they said that if they see so much as a decimal point after the number five in the five million, the funding would disappear. So this is where they're at already. She's struggling with trying to get people on board with the script. And she was very big into the music as well. So when she's sending this script out, she had made a cassette tape with, uh, she would send in the cassette tape along with the script so that the people could listen to the tape of 60s music while they read the screenplay. And she said, or at least on their drive home, they would be as charmed by it as she was and see the value in making the movie. And yet still no big studios bought the script or gave a shit about the cassette tape that she sent in, which sometimes in these stories you hear like, and then they sent in the cassette tape and the one right person heard it when give them all the money they that we got. Yeah. This is not one of those times. No, not at all. But it is good to have peripherals like that. And I have heard that happening. Avatar The Last Airbender was an episode we did where the pitch, they brought in all these visuals. And sometimes and it helps. sold it on the visuals. Yeah. It is very good Although, to have. That's how they got Always Sunny, too. Yep. Yes. And she did say, though, that she had received a multiple messages from secretaries of the big uh, men that she was sending the script to and the cassette asking if they could have another version of the cassette because they played it so much that it was worn out. <laughs> That's when she knew. She's like, okay, well, yeah. then we'll get him with the music and we'll <laughs> talk about that with, I've had the name of my life. She's but like, first, when? we got, oh, body close to me. I'm very sexually attracted to the music in the movie, um, but we've got to talk about Emil. Adeline! 
Adelina. Oh, Mila Adelina. Our what? director. Our oh. director grew up in Queens, started out as an actor in off-Broadway shows before moving over to production. As a kid, he saw the original production of Gypsy, and I can say that word because it's the name of a musical, fit 25 times on Broadway. He founded his own film company and got steady work in the 70s and 80s for PBS doing profiles of dancers and choreographers for two different series, Dance in America and Live from Lincoln Center. He also designed the original multimedia concept for the Broadway production of Jesus Christ Superstar. Before Dirty Dancing, he won an Oscar for his documentary about Jacques Damois, the founder of the National Dance Institute, which promoted dance to children. The film was called He Makes Me Feel Like Dancing. Ardelina says, I do love dance. I I do love music. It was a script in which the dance was used to move the plot along, to reveal character. And the story didn't stop, in addition to which... I saw a subtext of a body yeah. language throughout, so I related to all that media. He was wondering, did you watch any of his I interviews? Have, at one point in my life, eating a pussy for four straight hours. I bet he has, <laughs> because this man also goes on to make, you guys know how I feel about the movie, chances are that no one gives a shit about, but I absolutely right, love please. it. But then he also then made Three Men and a Little Lady, he made Sister Act, Sister and this yeah! which is, like, I mean, utterly, you know, he's very invested in the dance movies that he makes, especially, he said, I'm interested in scripts about character, yes. mainly, whether it's a comedy, a romance, or a drama. I like audiences to feel something when they come out. I don't want them to come out numb. I really want them to to feel and to think, mostly feel, but honestly, your Asento Holden was a little spot on because he, ooh. ooh. Well, you know, it's really interesting because angel. even though Dirty Dancing is really sensual, it's not, it doesn't feel like it's through the male gaze. Like, yeah. it, it feels very empowering. It, it's not just like, look at them, titties. And it feels like the women are actually people in the movie and it's not just like, oh, you, feel you know, shake touch it. on you. Yeah. And yeah. That's why guys are like, oh. I guess we'll watch it. <laughs> it's yeah, a good gross. Movie. I hate seeing women in <laughs> leotards. Yuck. <laughs> uh, Ardolino insisted that the actors, I love this, and I know you're going to love this too, Natalie. It's not like La La Land. He insisted the actors they hired could also actually dance, yeah. as he did not want to use the stand-in method like they did in Flashdance. For the part of Baby, Sarah Jessica Parker and Sharon Stone both auditioned, but the part, of course, went to Jennifer Grey. She grew up in NYC, and her parents were both actors at the Dalton School in Manhattan. She studied dance and acting, after which she trained at the Neighborhood Playhouse School of the Theater while working as a waitress. In 1984, at the age of 24, she got small roles in films like Francis Ford Coppola's The Cotton Club and starred in the war film Red Dawn. And who else was in that movie? Patrick Swayze! You so crazy! I want to have your fucking baby! I bet you'd want to fuck that girl, baby. Everybody wants to fuck baby and have Patrick Swayze's baby. It's crazy! So, uh, yeah. They didn't like each other then, though, they either. Hated they other. didn't like each other in Red Dawn, and they certainly didn't like each other while making Dirty Dancing, but the electric way they looked at each Did other. Did they ever say why? It seems that he is more serious. He's very serious. Those, those, I, we'll just go ahead and talk about that. That whole part of the montage where she keeps laughing when he runs his hand and he's getting more and more frustrated. That shows. That was, that real. was real. That was yeah. a real And moment. that shows exactly what their relationship is yeah. because he was a Broadway dancer that went in and like they only had two weeks of rehearsal before all of this. So he is very dedicated and he, like, he wasn't mucking about. Always. And she's still very young yeah. and was like, well, and like also you could tell almost uncomfortable with how, I think that like, like the character right. Jennifer Grey had to be with 
getting into like a sexy time right. when she had never really been in a sexy role I mean, like it's that definitely before. A kind I of wouldn't age. be able to. I've only yeah. done like one sexy character before and I couldn't stop laughing. Jennifer Grey yeah. said his fearlessness and my fearfulness together was like a marriage where you have two opposites. He'd do anything and I'd be scared to do anything. So not only was she like getting the giggles on, on at points, but she was also like would be very sensitive other days where somebody would say something to her she'd like break into, out mm-hmm. into and tears. And he had no, no. And that's just not him, right? He's just coming in to do the job. And I was, I'll, I, I will just say I was about to talk about it that she was going to be like a pro football player until a knee injury stopped yeah. him from that so I mean obviously that shows from an early age he was gonna He's be dedicated. something no matter what it was gonna be oh yeah and, and yet- he, like he did that with everything uh like uh what's his name from oh my god sorry guys the guy <laughs> from the outsiders uh oh we're about, I was about to mention Matt outsiders. Dillon Matt no Dillon. uh not Matt Dillon um god. pony boy uh Roblo 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 uh, like in Rob Lowe's book, he was talking about on The Outsiders, like Patrick Swayze was just like teaching himself different skill sets, like playing the guitar and stuff. You just like wow. learn different things. Take Part of the, the fly, issues yeah. though that they were having and why he was also getting frustrated is because of said knee injury, which was in a bad state. And yet still Patrick Swayze refused to allow anyone to come in and do the dancing or any of the scenes for him. So that was also part yeah. of the frustration. But, and yet still, when they were brought in for testing d- during the casting time period, because I've read two different camps and I don't know which you also read. I Holden. read the dance chemistry test that was the convincer. Was, that was the convincer. Was like, like them dancing on camera together is what make, got him cast because Bergstein said a couple of times, we wanted no one except Patrick Swayze. We mm-hmm. always wanted Patrick Swayze. But then I've also read that at the time Billy Zane was originally that. cast <laughs> and that in the dancing between him and Jennifer Grey, yes. there was just nothing I just can't I I was trying to picture him in that role I just like couldn't make it squish it yeah yeah, but I would have watched it and Val Kilmer Val Kilmer was also initially offered the role no it's just cause like Patrick Swayze's so manly like so masculine in that traditional masculine way and and Billy Zane is beautiful but in like Twin Peaks era he was like a little you know cutesy pretty boy agreed yeah there was I do think too though the dynamic between Johnny Castle and Baby, it's the same, right? It's it's this because young up and comer. Frustrated by her, yeah, of he's, course, he's, yeah. He's, no he's been worn out from the industry. He's like bitter. He's he's burdened. He's older. He he's you know been. He's had the a hard life, and she's just like had everything kind of handed. She's her. sheltered and is like excited about life and right. excite you know and thinks and is doing this because it's fun. Is doing because not only does she want to help people, but also she, deep down she just is loving doing this. Sure. And yeah, you, that just shows so well just because of their real life. Shit. And actually, Bergstein does say exactly what you are saying about the characters, where she's like, it's a love story, but it's also about honor. If you reach out your hand and behave with honor, at some point, the world will turn on its axis. And that's what happened with Baby. She was very brave. She mm-hmm. reached out her hand. And Johnny, who believed in nothing, saw someone behave with absolute selfless honor toward him. And that's what gave him the courage to pull her back. And that, that is such a, like, I mean, obviously, Bergstein knows these characters inside and out but that is such an interesting way to describe the two of them together that like kind of in reading that and then watching the movie I was like fuck yeah that is what this well, is yeah, and I, like, he's not disrespecting her and she's not no. disrespecting him Well, that, it, and at the core of that character too he's a he's a good man he's a good person yeah. at the yeah. core he's just had all this other shit put External on top of stuff. him yeah. and so it's almost like even though this story is about baby which I love 
you know they're not going to like end up together, but you like, oh, Johnny maybe took this part of her into him and yeah that's why Bergstein didn't want to do a sequel because she was like I like no one wants to see what happens between the two of them because it's not ever gonna work and that's not the only thing I could see is like a before sunset before sunrise kind of thing where they meet back up after being completely estranged from each other 10 years 20 years later and whatever that story is if Swayze was here I would watch it now yeah yeah mm. i would watch that movie. i would watch that now but unfortunately i yeah especially now that swayze's out of the picture i mean all we really need is that 2017 right so <laughs> yeah, right. we're good to go <laughs> uh i will also say i completely forgot i i like didn't put two and two together that jennifer gray was also ferris bueller's sister yeah, oh, yeah and they were dating and we'll get into that as part of the curse and yeah. also the choreographer was the one who did that fucking dope parade, parade scene, scene in ferris bueller oh, same choreographer Oh, cool. uh, yeah, yeah. The Kenny Ortega. Like I want to do a whole episode I, I on Kenny Ortega. I feel I didn't know that was all the same choreography. Dude. Unbelievable, right? He just ripped it open for so many years as a choreographer. Before we get to that, uh, I will just say Patrick Swayze, his uh, his mother was a choreographer, dance instructor, and dancer. He enjoyed dancing and acting himself in high school, but actually wanted to go pro football, as I said, until a knee injury took that off the table, which he battled with all through the shooting of Dirty Dancing, especially that log scene. Oh, he uh, fell off that log, log so many times. Scene. He had to go ta- get taken to the hospital. A fluid drained from his knee. Oh, uh, and he was had so to bad. just keep dancing. You would never it. know. He's like an angel. He's a professional. Dances. Uh, he was a dancer for the Disney theatrical group for a while until he got the role of Danny Zuko in a replacement cast for Grease on Broadway. And then after that, he did various film and TV. But yes, man, I need to go back and rewatch 1983's The Outsiders. I mean, what a cast. Oh, yeah. Rob Lowe, Amelia Estevez, Matt Dillon, Tom Cruise, Ralph Macchio. Uh, and of course, Patrick Swayze, most most all, all unknowns at that point. And after that, he starts to become a household name in the 80s. Uh, and uh, the first person to cast in the film was actually Cynthia Rhodes as Penny. Uh, she was known for her dance film prowess, uh, Flashdance, mm-hmm. Staying Alive, mm. the sequel to Saturday Night Fever. And uh, yeah, we already mentioned Jerry Orbach. Uh, they took his eyes. No! They did take his eyes. How's he going to dance? <laughs> also, big shout outs. To, actually, this was Wayne Knight's big breakout movie. Hello, yeah, he's Newman. great in it. He's, of course, uh, Seinfeld. He's Newman. Jurassic Park. Uh, uh, uh. You didn't say the magic word. No, no, magic word. He's so good. And he's great in this movie as that cheesy, you know, camp staff guy that's you know yeah he perfect. just is so right on for the role also when baby's mom uh when baby's mom played by actress kelly yeah bishop, kelly bishop emily gilmore what's up she says at the end of the movie she gets that for me and that is a nod isn't yes, it natalie it is she was a broadway dancer <laughs> but also kelly bishop was not originally cast as the mother yeah. and oh. she was actually supposed to play the older woman that seduces oh. patrick swayze but Ooh, as that, part like? of the curse, Machi, Machi. Ay, 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 that ay, the ay, mother ay. that played Jennifer Gray's, the, the mother, the character that was played, the thinking woman about that her played, oh, I'm cursed. The mother, thinking about her titties. <laughs> the character that was supposed to brought up. What is wrong with me? <laughs> the mother of Jennifer Gray's character. Um, they, after the first day of shooting, complained of fatigue and weakness, Gottlieb said. Her scenes were shot and she had to lie down a lot. Day two, it's clear to everybody that this woman will not be Jennifer Grey's mother for much longer. She was sent home at lunchtime, leaving the film with a hole in the cast and a scene involving said character to be shot in the afternoon, oh, with 200 extras on standby. Mm. Kelly Bishop, who was there to play the older woman, was immediately brought in to be her because she was essentially there. 
to play the the sexy like lady that Patrick Swayze was. Oh wait, Kelly Bishop was going escorting. To? Correct. Yeah, yeah. Oh, she was going to be that. Lady. Really? Yep. Yeah. And oh, so I would so watch that. That yeah. character then was filled in by the film's assistant choreographer oh. Miranda Garrison. Oh, so she hot. continued her role as Swayze's off-screen dance coach too. And then on day five, actress Paula Truman playing the hotel thief collapsed on set. <laughs> and then she recovered. But this is, I mean, again, well, getting into old, the curse. Right? Getting into the curse. She's an dirty old, dancing. Though. I actually can't, I mean, I didn't know it was cursed, by the way, but well. Every I set's always uh, Yeah, cursed. I've never heard that either. Yeah, yeah, totally a curse set, absolutely. Before we get to the filming and the curse set, I do want to spend some time talking about Kenny Ortega, we mentioned before as the choreographer. Uh, he What a career. What an amazing, just this an man. amazing person. A high school, he went to high school in Palo Alto, California. He was a cheerleader and in the drama group there. Started out as an actor that appeared in the touring productions of Oliver and Hair. He was- Can I just say real quick mm-hmm. that uh, currently, or I think last year he was in an interview that after doing hair, Ortega recalled being falsely arrested at the age of 21. Think about being, this is where his brain is at for being a gay man in the 60s and 70s. He said he was falsely arrested at the age of 21 after a chief of police planted narcotics in his hotel room, allegedly upset by his performance in a touring production of Hair. The charges were dropped after investigations were made, and Ortega recalled the arrest report identifying him as George Berger, the name of the character he played in in the show. So the fucking idiot wow. cop decided to try to arrest him because he was upset about him being openly gay oh my God. and tried to put and but didn't what even bother to look up his actual name. Ugh. Idiot. What a but, piece of shit. Ugh. But this dude, man, the choreography, the, he did the choreography for Madonna in the video for Material Girl. He did most of the choreography for Michael Jackson, as well as for the This Is It documentary. So what happened was, he was at this nightclub just lighting the dance floor on fire in San Francisco, and a band called The Tubes, they saw him and were just like, please, will you be our choreographer? They were just a super 80s band. Yeah. That got his start as a choreographer for musicians. Uh, through that, he gets the attention of Cher, as well as the band Kiss, choreographs their tours Insane. at the time. Uh, and then in 1980, he is hired to choreograph Xanadu. And Xanadance, right? Is that what we're Xana- doing? Xanadance, right? Yeah, so there is, by the way, a little bit of uh, DNA, uh, interestingly enough. Then mm. there he worked under the mentorship of Gene Kelly and really honed his talents. Then he did a couple of John Hughes films. I already mentioned Ferris Bueller's Day Off um, and that amazing great dance. He did Sing Elbows Fire. He did Pretty in Pink. He did Ferris Bueller's Day Off. He did Sister Act. He did Two Wong food thanks for everything Julie knew crazy. but then he also crazy. directed Newsies and Hocus Pocus crazy good uh, I feel like I resume. should have known this Dude, I, I didn't either crazy. though yeah you just don't realize some of these people I have are a like, dance degree you're, <laughs> you're like wow this guy's like the background of my childhood yeah. you know I mean? like Chris Columbus for me I was like oh wow he just sort of defined my childhood I guess Ortega said Gene Kelly really introduced me to the difference between choreographing for the film and the stage He was kind enough to embrace me and share with me his techniques and the art form of designing choreography for the camera, looking at things from all sides and playing with great levels of depth and scale, sometimes locations. There are a number of differences, and Gene was my mentor and my hero for sharing the talent he had with me. Ortega also said about Dirty Dancing, we had this incredible tight-knit group which were really focused, and we had such a ball, such a great time coming to know one another and building this movie. But I don't think any of us really had any idea would have the global reach or longevity that it had. 
It's really something really special. And this is the man I believe that is the backbone uh, between him and Bergstein, uh, the backbone of this movie and why it has the organic heat that it does because... I mean, Ortega openly said that he didn't want it to just be like the rehearsals and and the shooting of it, like the five, six, seven, eight, grind, grind, grind. Mm -hmm. He wanted it to be organic. He said it happened right before our eyes. He said, we have all of these, like you put that into the bodies and all these incredible dancers that we had and watching them take it and play with it and evolve it into something that just became Dirty Dancing. We went into these Boy Scout sheds and turned on music and for hours I would walk around and play with a couple and mold them it came out of an incredible workshop and then it just makes me think of more like the center stage where I'm like, and he's just walking around everyone just grind and dancing with each other. And who is banging on that set? Oh. Am I right? Come on. But he really, I mean, the dancers in that that scene, I think one of the reasons it's so impactful is that they do feel like characters, like their personalities yeah. are there. Like you just said. Full characters. It's not yeah, just, not just like 2D. learning some steps. Yeah, a lot of times you watch a dance movie in a scene like that that everyone's kind of doing the same thing whereas yeah. that is the opposite in especially that scene where baby carries the watermelon. Like the woman yeah. with the with the short hair. Yeah, I always great. think about her. I, yeah, I always back. see her in the scene too. Hey, carried she, a she watermelon. Out. Also, can we just say real quick <laughs> how like that is such a thing that I feel like yeah, I would have said of through. just being in a place like that and be like, hi, <laughs> oh God. And that progression happens more naturally than I remembered it. Like yes. it really is smooth how they take her from like kind of just like, Square McSquaresin and into this like Ooh, dance he thing. touches yeah. her hips. Can you imagine being that age and anyone touching your hips like Ooh. that? I know that you were a dancer, Dally, so I feel like you were used I to being touched it, yeah. more. Um, I was never touched, and it was just the kind of thing like, hey, maybe someone will take my hips and press <laughs> against their hips. All right, please, maybe go and back to that did. cruise ship. And they and did. They did. There was a couple old swingers. Nobody that puts Jackie in that. the car. Yeah, they might a little bit though. Uh, yeah, you've been. Oh, come on, you've been Blair Witch before. Before we've talked about <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Ortega had this to say about Patrick Swayze. You don't come across a guy that's a cowboy and a ballet dancer very often. This guy was like Gene Kelly, really. Mm -hmm. He had this edge of masculinity combined with his incredible grace and elegance. He was a brilliant dancer and a wonderful man and a powerful actor. And then about Jennifer Grey, Ortega said, she, quote, didn't have the kind of training Patrick had. She was really an improvisational dancer and quite good at it. And again, that combo, mm, it's that special little sauce And it together. worked for that character because obviously she's a better dancer than that would be in real life. But right. she didn't look at the same level she as still Penny by any stretch right. of the Unrefined, yes. right? Yeah, uh, completely agreed. Even as a, a, a layman a when lim- it comes to dance, yeah. you can see that and feel that. And it's just so, everything's so clear on the screen. Mm-hmm. And it's so much of it is done through movement. It is incredibly uh, impressive. Mm-hmm. Like, I really love, again, just all the scenes where, man, there's so little talking and so much happening in front of us. Mm-hmm. And I also feel that a lot of that was created because, and Ortega had said this earlier about how it was like a tight-knit group, but they were also partying a lot yeah. on this set. Super so and I set. think that that was a way to flesh that out was a way like that apparently the director would kind of throw a party every night and everybody would like hang out and dance and talk and get to know each other in different ways yeah. besides just being on set with each other and that just creates a sense of taking these 
what could be 2D characters and turning them into 3D characters no matter how small they are. It also kind of turns it into summer camp, which is what it was. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Also, also... Because they're all staying on that in the campground. And we also said it was a cursed set, but even the ghouls and the ghosts would show up for these parties. Yeah, everyone goes, I like to dance with you. The mummy would show up and the wolfman would (laughs) show up and honest, that's actually... And a young uh, Mm. Bobby Pickett would show up. And then Jordan Orbeck would show up and his eyes would fall out. His eyes are... A young, I think his name's Bobby Pickett, the writer of Monster Mash. Yeah, Actually, oh my God. That is where Monster Mash came oh, from, was the set of Dirty Dancing. Dirty yeah, yeah. That's where he got the Nards line from. <laughs> he was working yeah. in the lab late last night. Yeah, the last day. That's Monster Squad. <laughs> Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait. You look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money. A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. But uh, yeah, since (laughs) many of the Borscht Belt resorts were shut down by this point, they couldn't find a solid location to shoot in the Catskills. And I think this might have added to my parents' love of this movie, that it was mainly filmed in the South, in Lake Lore, North Carolina, which is where my parents are and I am from, and Mountain Lake Hotel near Pembroke, Virginia. Lake Lore was home to a former Boy Scout camp, but is now a private residential community called Firefly Cove. And a murder probably happens there once a year. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There they film. I hope it's a dirty dancing themed cult. Ooh, that yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, dance till oh, you get die. In, yes. Dance till you lie. Dance till the hate takes your no! eyes. Jerry Orbach. Jerry Orbach, he started the cult. He's the leader of the cult. <laughs> oh, that's where he went. That's where he ended up. He still also did give his eyes. Yes. There uh, they film stuff. Uh, like her practicing on the <laughs> stairs at uh, Lake Lore. Johnny's cabin, the staff cabins, the famous log scenes, those were Lake Lore. Mountain Lake is where they did the dining scenes, Kellerman's Hotel, the Houseman family cabins. Mountain Lake Lodge, apparently, that is where you should go if you want to enjoy a dirty dancing themed weekend. They host three a year, Mountain Lake Lodge in Mountain Lake, uh, in what, Pembroke, Virginia. Check that place out uh, if you want to get into that. I, I I could be down. They do dance classes. There's a I'm going to be drunk. There's a, definitely a bunch of weird old horny people that are swinging in the Take hotel room. Ready for it. Filming took place starting into September of 1986. They had to deal with uh, some hot as fuck temperatures. It was the hottest of times and the coldest of times, apparently. So there were days where there was 105 degrees and it was just a nightmare. Um, and one on one particular shoot day, within 25 minutes, 10 people passed out. Uh, later, because the shooting had to get, I believe, paused for a little bit and then restart. But either way, it got very, very cold because it was the kind of the end of summer into fall. Once it switched over to fall, that famous swimming scene with the lift apparently yeah, was she done almost got hypothermia. Cold, yeah, freezing cold waters. She was. I saw an interview with her. She's talking about how it was really hard to look 
like you were having a sexy fun time right. and you're just like, <gasps> right. <gasps> oh, I can't. Nightmare. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, they even had to, uh, set decorators had to spray paint the leaves green. And that's also why they didn't show any of the close-ups of the actors during that scene is because their their lips were actually blue. Covered in <laughs> goose pimples. Yep. So, yes, uh, I, I mentioned before there was a lot of the improvisation in this movie. We talked about it when it came to her dancing. We talked about it when it came to that amazing moment in the montage that I think is one of the most defining moments in the, in the whole movie where she keeps laughing every time he runs his finger down her arm and against her breast. The side yeah, yeah, she was laughing. Loved and then it. he's getting frustrated. And then oh. his knee, he said, because most of the cartilage in my knee was gone, the bones were just grinding painfully on each other during those log <laughs> I scenes. I mean, this is uh. so crazy because you look at it and he's not even showing nope, an ounce nope. of it. He's a professional. Uh, another improvised moment, which I was uh, very surprised to see, was that dancing on the floor to Mickey and Sylvia's Love is Strange. Uh, oh, I love that scene. That Baby. apparently was actually them. I think that is like the, might be the best scene in the movie, Oof. but that was them just trying to get into character. Before and then they didn't even realize the the cameras were also right. really oh, crazy wow. to yeah. think that now, uh, like as you're saying, like how that how sexy that scene is. They don't really show a whole lot no. and talk about. And it's funny because Holden earlier thought I was talking about Twilight and the sexiness, <laughs> and, and he's like, "Oh, it's just kind of crazy." I thought, and I'm like, "No, no, not Twilight." Because if you think about it in the comparison, Dirty Dancing does the edging properly. Oh, because yeah. Because you don't see all of it, but you're like. I just want to see Oh, I had the worst blue balls after this movie. I had to get him drained by a team of doctors. Of course you did. It is just so, it's throbbing Blue balls in in your heart, though. Yeah. Blue balls in my heart. Uh, Yeah, no, for for real. There's like, they do the right amount, you're right, they do the right amount of edging, which of course is not present in Twilight, but. Yeah, yeah, no. (laughs) No, it's just Twilight's just wall-to-wall Cummings. Yeah, it's all Cummins. Yeah, they just let it happen. Also, one other thing uh, to say about the filming is that uh, Swayze really hated the line, nobody puts baby in a corner. Hated it. One, fought it. It was like, don't make me do this. And then and then uh, was convinced upon the the opening night that it was at, indeed a great choice. And maybe, though, again, going back to the say anything moment, yeah. maybe that begrudgingness helped yeah. the performance a little bit. There was some, But that is also to say that I was watching this movie, I'm like, this movie is definitely like ham-fisted. The acting is very, it's very like over the top and I am here for it. I yes. love oh, yeah. how intense Johnny Castle is, baby, we're never gonna have another thing like this, you know, and I'm never gonna, and, and Jennifer Grey, I'm never gonna leave, you know, if I leave this room, never feel the way I feel about you, you know what but I mean? But you also like, think about like the anachronistic style of this whole movie already. Like it is a fusion of the early 60s, late 50s with the 80s, like it's because it's seen in the soundtrack as well as the performances of like, that was the love that yeah. was so glorified in the 50s and the 60s mm-hmm. in, in different ways, you know? back in the 80s and yeah. the 60s too. Lexi like had a hard time with it, but I loved how the fashion was very 80s even though it was set in the 60s. Like there was this mishmashing yeah. that that was happening that it was worked. I think confusing to me culturally as a kid. Yes, like, I like, didn't know when it was supposed to be. <laughs> old times, yes. old times. It was times older. before me and it all mishmashed together and then I had to kind of figure out how where the actual timelines of all this music and fashion yeah. beat out. Yeah. Now I think it's a lot of fun. It kind of reminds me of Dazed and Confused a little bit in that sense. Yeah, where, like I, it didn't distract me ever. I felt... I felt in the moment because sometimes yeah. like when people yeah. try to do modern old school 
like time pieces and they it, it doesn't, doesn't work. work very well. And in fact, I think it makes a lot more sense because I like, always was a, leer, a little weirded out when um, Baby has the whole scene of talking about how like I can't let you go because of the feeling. Apparently that was Bergstein's favorite line. The line that means the most to me, she says, and gets the most letters is, most of all, I'm scared of walking out of this room and never feeling the rest of my life the way I feel when I'm with you. And I always thought that was too ham-fisted. But then she says, I think everybody has a moment in their life, in their future, their past, or their hoped for future, when everything hinged on doing this or that. And they hope to do the brave thing, or their life boomerangs back to that moment when they didn't do it. A moment in your life when you think, if I don't do this, I will wonder the rest of my life what would be if I had. Or if it hasn't come, what will I do when it arrives? Yeah. And it made that scene that I thought was too much make so much grounded sense. It's such sense. a teen thing, too. Oh, going yeah, back, she's 18, you know. Going, yeah. going back to Romeo plus Juliet. I mean, yeah. that's how we felt. It was, it was, baby, you know, put you in a corner. Like, that's how it felt. Yes. Everything felt yeah. that high stakes. But what a horrible night for a curse. No, it's curse. Starting out, it starts out curse. We already talked about how the, you know, they were getting fucked by the production, that they wanted to take a bunch of money away from them. And then on top of it, then we'll get into the soundtrack. But even from the beginning, that the place where they had originally gotten to put all of the cast and crew fell through a couple of months before shooting started because there were terrorist incidents in Europe that took place in 1986. So all of the U.S. hotels got booked up and they got canceled because they wanted to raise all of the prices what? of the hotels that they were going to put them in. And so she secured a hotel in Virginia on the condition that the cast and crew shot in September, which is why everything that was supposed to be done over the summer was pushed. And that's where that interim time came from like it being way too hot yeah. into it being way too cold because it wasn't supposed to be done in September. It was supposed to be done earlier in June, but it mm. all got pushed. So we've got that. We already got into what happened with Baby's mother, and we don't know exactly what went on with that. We just know that she went away, that she fainted, she went away. Day five, oh actress Paula they Truman played the hotel thief. She collapsed, she got put away. And that was the beginning of the curse. And then on the sixth day is when everything went bug nutty on one day, okay? Burglars ransacked the film's rehearsal space. Cool. And then an urgent journey to get replacement material had to be made because a lot of the like materials, like cameras and shit, were stolen. And on the same day, there had been severe flooding. The roads were blocked. And for added fun, an art department station wagon destroys a prop department van as well on the same day because it had slammed into it, so they lost a bunch of props. They have no money to get more. And also on the same day, the set director fell off of his ladder and injured himself. The second assistant director broke her wrist. The wardrobe assistant broke her toe. Oh, and three of the crew were hit by food poisoning, including Jennifer Grey. Oh, yeah, Gray. I heard that. That is, in, that is just the sixth day of this shoot. Uh -oh. Yeah. It all went down. What a horrible fucking night for a curse, which was in Castlevania uh, to reference for that Marcus had got tattooed on his body. Girl. And they had to continue and <laughs> keeping the reigning part of the movie Wait, in. Wait, Johnny Castle, Castlevania. It all makes sense. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> and they kept raining and they were losing everything and everything, everything was going to shit. And uh, then they had to halt production because of all of this flooding and everyone getting hurt. And then... 
The lead makeup artist quits and goes home for personal reasons. And then on the same day, a wasp infestation was discovered and Jennifer Grey's arms were covered in stings. By the time filming was complete, one producer was so dissatisfied with the footage that he suggested they should burn the negatives and collect the insurance. On top of this, Swayze's knees kept giving out. (laughs) That's the curse of trying to play the professionals. Yes. (laughs) And then after the makeup lady originally left, the new makeup person that was brought in that lasted just over a week, she broke her wrist and two fingers of her right hand, and she was not left-handed, so she couldn't continue putting the makeup onto the people. And then, (laughs) after the shoot, this is what I was referring to before. Now, Natalie remembered this. Remember when Matthew Broderick killed those two women in yeah. the car? Yeah. Who? How, how could I not? They were. So this is at the time period when Jennifer Grey was dating Matthew Broderick. And two weeks before the premiere of Dirty Dancing, they went to Ireland as a fun romantic trip. They get into a car accident. Matthew Broderick is driving. He kills an old woman he and went her into daughter. The wrong lane. It was his went fault. The wrong lane. It was yeah. completely his fault. And Jennifer Grey was also in the car and was so beside herself with what happened that it started the undoing of her on the inside. Uh. It is part of what led her to also getting the fateful yeah. nose Those surgery yeah. that was not good, that she ended up having yes. lots of complications with. And she also didn't look like herself fucked enough her anymore yeah. and fucked up her entire career. So with the mental anguish, as well as the physical anguish that she was going through, it fucked it all up. And then there's Robbie, played by Max Cantor who died an untimely death at the age of 32, right after this movie, he stopped acting, and he was working as a journalist. Max died of an overdose of Prozac, heroin, and cocaine after starting to abuse substances while obsessively researching the murder of dancer Monica Beerl, who had been dismembered by a killer and cannibalist Daniel Rockowitz in 1989. Also, Rockwitz, by the way, had boiled Burl's Jesus head Christ. and made soup from his brain. Oh, can we like stop with this already? Jesus, God, it's dirty dancing for fuck's sake. <laughs> the set was cursed. I have a quote right here also from Billy Zane. That's right, I did it. You want chemistry? <laughs> no. I'll give you Son chemistry. The chemistry of a witch's curse. No, don't Billy Zane do it, was Billy not Zane. cast in the film oh. and therefore his replacing was their undoing. Oh, God. Uh, and that's how he didn't get the mummy, but everyone thinks he's in the mummy, even though he's not in the <laughs> mummy. That the makes mummy. a lot more sense. So, the music. Let's, let's brighten it back up a little bit with this amazing soundtrack and score. Bergstein used her own personal collection of gramophone records for the dancing when they actually got to choosing the music for the film. Uh, Jimmy Yenner, I believe it's an I, not an L. Yenner was brought on as music supervisor. And what I love about that was that he supported the film instead of trying to like make it his own thing when it came to the music selections. He loved the the stuff that Bergstein had brought in. He had produced for John Lennon. He'd produced for Three Dog Night. He was a bit of a pro for sure. And he thought that stuff was great and just set out to fulfill the promise of getting her the licenses for those songs from her childhood. Ianer also did get Swayze to do She's Like the Wind. She's Like the Wind. Which he had written a few years earlier with Stacey Widelitz uh, for the film Grandview USA, which he starred in, of course, but it went unused there. So perfect, right? And it really does, listening to it. It works there. I listened I like to it on it. the way uh, to the studio today, and I was like, man, this actually weirdly 
completely not made for this, totally works for this so well, especially if you assume they're not actually going to stay together, that she's now going to go off right. after this little She adventure. is like the wind. She is like the wind. And she uh, really fought, Berksina had to fight tooth and nail to get the songs onto the soundtrack and into the movie that she wanted because the studios really wanted them to only include covers of the original songs Ooh. by current oh. artists. And she's like, no, I'm trying to create, I'm trying to encapsulate the feeling of I had God. during those summers. Can you imagine if it was just Kaga Juju or whatever? Like 80s as fuck covers yeah. would not be cool. It would not have worked properly in the same way that they knew that they had to find the exact song that they needed for the I've Had the Time of My Life song. So apparently Ortega and his assistant Miranda Garrison, they went through this huge box of tapes looking for their finale song. And according to Ortega, it was the last tape in the box. They threw it on and they heard the time of my life. What's a, a hilarious addition to this, so Bill Medley is the guy they got to sing the male part for it. He at first refused to do it, thinking this was some kind of softcore pornography film. Uh, because again, it, you have to remember, this was not- Called Dirty a, Dancing. And it was a total sleeper hit. Like This was not supposed to be successful. This was supposed to be essentially a straight-to-video uh, or uh, or deal a straight to video affair. Yes. There you go. That was the word. Anything give me softcore pornography, depending on what you're into. I mean, it works better True. than most softcore pornography in terms of getting my fucking Johnson spewing that white white. Girl. Yeah, and I had no idea that this was actually written. It was supposed to be written as if it I was the two characters. <laughs> In the future, singing to each other. And that yes, makes I a lot that. more sense. And, and like that. listening to it made it make a lot more oh, sense. don't worry. They do that literally in the 2017 version. Oh, <laughs> fun. But with this song, talk about how, again, how the studios fucked them from the beginning to the end of this. So originally, this movie was supposed to come out in June. So they set it up for I've Had the Time of My Life to be released to go along with it because they knew that it didn't sound like any other song that was big at this time period. And of course, what happened? It flopped because the pictures, the studios pushed back the release of the movie a couple of months without pushing back the release of the song. And so over the summer, no one gave a shit about this song because it didn't sound like anything else because the whole point of this song is that Bergstein said, we tried very hard to make you believe that it was a song you'd never heard before, but still one from the 60s. Mm -hmm. The anachronistic combination, nostalgic while looking forward, had a thematic purpose within the scene. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't until the movie dropped and it started getting momentum yeah. that people started listening to the song. But for months, they thought it was all just a horrible car crash because they're <laughs> like, well, they were supposed to come out at the same time and everything got fucked. Uh, I will also say the two singers had uh, clips from the film playing as they recorded the song. And I did love this quote from Medley because I think it perfectly describes it. We sang to each other yeah. and to the movie. When he raised her up in the air, I knew it had to be joyful. And that's why there's a real spirit and joy in the vocals. That's not fake. We were having a good time. He was actually lifting her up. During, the, during it, when they yeah, were yeah. Oh, they were fucking too, dude. They were sucking, bro. Yeah, because yeah. that's the thing. They weren't in the movie, so they didn't have to have the blue balls. They got to just be naked and having sex while singing the song. Mm -hmm. uh, also, I will say the score. Uh, it was done by John Morris, uh, who was like big in the 60s and 70s doing stuff like Baker Street on Broadway. And he did a lot of stuff for Mel Brooks. We may have mentioned him. He definitely did the original arrangement for Springtime for Hitler. He also did uh, stuff for Young.
young Frankenstein. That's why I said we might have mentioned him. Uh, and yeah, that it's it's great. Everything about the music is great, and it has to be great, right? Because you don't have anything without a fantastic soundtrack. Also, also stuff like "Be My Baby," "Big Girls Don't Big Girls Don't Cry." All that shit really is what led to. And I remember when this happened with my parents, uh, a big oldies revival uh, in in you know modern music. So like golden oldies and all that kind of stuff. Apparently, Dirty Dancing really set that off. Uh, of course, this movie, as you said, fucked over by the producers from every uh, angle. Uh, they saw a rough cut. They're like, this is going to be a flop, see? Nothing good can come out of this movie, see? Apparently, their test showed that only 39% of viewers, or that 39% of viewers did not understand that an abortion was going on in the subplot. So you're only not alone. Only 39%. You're not alone. Jesus. The production company Vestron intended to release it in theaters for just a weekend and then home video right after, but instead the movie ends up being, of course, a triumph. Yeah. Does incredible at the box office. Uh, it breaks the record for most popular home video rental. It, that song that he thought was for a softcore porno ends up getting an Oscar, Grammy, Golden Globe. I mean, it really just lights the whole world on fire. Of course, I mean, if you had parents at that age, you know, or even if you're listening to this and you were that age, that would be our parents like, man, it was uh, just a part of the lexicon. Like, absolutely. There's like no my mom always it. says, Patrick Swayze can leave his boots under my bed any day. There you go. Uh, all right. Let's that is, I just always, I never understood that between Patrick Swayze and Harrison Ford. She always <laughs> said that he can leave her boots, boots. And then finally, I was like, Oh, you want fuck yeah. them? Oh, you, you want fuck them? Oh, you want fuck them? So, uh, yeah, we'll talk a little bit about uh, the sequels and things like that. To the stage we go. Apparently, the musical "Dirty Dancing," the classic story on stage in 2004, is when it started. Apparently, it's pretty good. It did quite well. It, it, it did well in Australia. Then it went to the West End in London. Then it went to Canada and the U.S. in 2014. And it's been quite a successful run. I would definitely be interested, more interested in watching that than anything else. Definitely not Havana Nights. Havana Nights is the weirdest thing ever. I think there's an American Life episode on it, but I can't remember. Oh, man. I don't know if you know about this, but I'll just briefly say, because it's a whole thing. I'm pretty sure there's an American Life, a whole episode on it, so just listen to that. This is like a very good example of how shit works in Hollywood. The, screen, the original screenplay was written by NPR host Peter Seagal. It was called Cuba Mine. It had no dancing. It was in no way a sequel to Dirty Dancing. Um, and it was about a young American woman who witnessed the Cuban Revolution and had a romance with a young Cuban revolutionary. It was based on a real person. Oh, yeah, just like Dirty Dancing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, 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 I get yeah. it. It's so funny. It was it was based on a real experience of uh, a producer named Joanne Jansen, and later it's bought by Lawrence Bender, who produced on Pulp Fiction, uh, and the film studio took the script. It was in production hell forever until way later, Lawrence Bender decides, hey, I want to make a sequel to Dirty Dancing. So they take this script that has nothing to do with Dirty Dancing, just completely rewrote all of it with barely a skeleton of whatever was was in there from the that original script, and turned it into Dirty Dancing Havana Nights, which, which just, was absolutely oh. trashed by reviewers, was terrible at the box office. Although it came out in a very particularly horny time in my life, because I remember watching it and just be like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, look, I'm dead, Sandra. I never, I never watched it. Do they do the... Does she do the lift with the hips? I'm gonna throw it out there. I don't fucking remember at all. I <laughs> don't even possibly. Yeah, remember. I didn't even think about watching it because it is just such an afterthought. I think I was it's drinking peach schnapps. You know, it was like one of those times <laughs> wow. in my life. All, all I remembered was that that weird script 
thing happened, and it's so fascinating. That's exactly Hollywood is so weird with scripts and screenplays and the what they do with decimate them. them. Yeah, yeah. It's so bizarre. But anyways, uh, we also have the 2017 remake. Natalie, take it away. You got 30 minutes on the. Cl- no, I'm just kidding. We're not going to talk about it. I need more than 30. What? Minutes. Just very briefly explain why it's terrible, and then I'll close this out. You with know, I feel <laughs> I feel bad for Abigail Breslin because I like her. She's right. a good person. <laughs> Actor, I don't know if she's a good person in real life. She did. She was the little girl in uh, Little Miss Sunshine. She's been in a lot of stuff. She's great. Not the, not a dancer. No. Uh, it also, I don't know who the lead guy is, but also doesn't seem to be a. You, you dancer. felt he looked weird, and uh, yeah. Um. Yeah, I think that it was directed by Tommy Wiseau. Also, uh, that can't be real. No, oh, but okay. it looks like it. Is. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's very bizarrely shot. Uh huh. It's just it's one of awkward. those. Yeah, but it, it's one of those things that they do, like we were talking about, where they like do the live version. I think it's live. No, it's actually not live because they do this weird thing. <laughs> oh, Natalie after the end scene, <laughs> after herself. the end scene, they they cut to Abigail Breslin in the audience watching it as a play. She's watching herself Ooh, as a meta. play. And then she's getting out of the theater and then he shows up and he's like, hey. And she goes, hi. And then they like hug each other and it's the least There's no tension. ending. That's but also so it's just like, man, uh, Abigail Breslin is beautiful and the, whoever put her in outfits must have hated her because she is just yeah, dressed. Even, I, I like barely looked at it because I was like, I can't with this. But yeah, she it, the everything looks awkward, including her costuming. And yeah. then you can also watch uh, Deborah Messing aw- awkwardly sing at an old man who's her husband in the movie. <laughs> I don't know. And like Betty Johnson says, oh, come on, ladies. God wouldn't have given you maracas if he didn't want you to shake them. You know, I feel like this is just the perfect thing that's just its own thing and nothing else around. Maybe the musical, the actual live musical, that's the one it's thing supposed I, to be great. I would maybe consider seeing that, but I think it's a great film that is standalone that should not be tampered with. I do kind of, I will say the 2017 is memorable because <laughs> of <laughs> what happens on in front of your eyeballs. Um, <laughs> so, I think Jerry Orbach's hey, grateful. at least you got him. He's, he should, he should be <laughs> glad to have him. him. From you. Don't let but him at least, him. you know, it's not boring. Uh, it's, I almost want it to be as bad as it is or not at all. Right, you know exactly. I mean? It's better that it's terrible than good. Yeah, than than just they're in just the being middle. like, oh, this was fine. All right, well, I have one quote from the late great Patrick Swayze to close this out. Do you got anything else, Jack? Oh, you don't want to get into all the lines of everyone talking about him after he's passed because no. it's very sad. Did you, yeah, that, you put a, I don't have any cry quote. I don't have it in me to cry quote. No, I will, yeah, I will right. only say... Uh, <laughs> He, he got married to his wife in, I think, like, 1971, and she was a dancer at his mom's company, and they stayed married all the way up into his death, and they have a, I love it. a huge ranch where they lived, and she was a pilot, so she would she's a badass, and she would fly him to his cancer treatments and stuff, oh, and then as he God. was dying... They wrote a book together called Time of My Life. Oh, <laughs> God. I can't with it. Stop. Natalie, are you crying? That's the first oh, time we got Natalie to cry. That's not true. I cried. Um, <laughs> we got her. What no, I cried, at, um, I cried at Joe. No. If anybody's got your cry bingo cards out, please Natalie. put one of Natalie <laughs> right now. Uh, all right. This is my final quote from Patrick Swayze, and I do feel emotional about him as well, and I just love the guy so much. Let's see if I can get through it. 
It's got so much heart to me. It's not about sensuality. It's really about people trying to find themselves. This young dance instructor feeling like he's nothing but a product. And this young girl trying to find out who she is in a society of restrictions when she has such an amazing take on things. On a certain level, it's really about the fabulous, funky little Jewish girl getting the guy because of what she's got in her heart. That's it. That's it. He all he almost, I almost did it. He was I'm almost good. there, but he didn't do no, it. This is sweat. Don't worry about it. Oh it's yeah. Sucks. Oh yeah. I forget. He's got the old sweaty eyes. She's but got, Jerry Orbach doesn't. doesn't. He doesn't no. have sweat in his eyes because his eyes were donated. Michael, you know what I'm proud of him. His <laughs> eyes were donated, Michael. Uh, all right. Thank if you. If so anybody much. out there has his eyes, let us let know. us know. Oh, that's Call sick. us. Uh, <laughs> all right. Okay. Uh, this oh. has been Pop History. I do want to say, uh, because I've got a little baby girl on the way, and I'm going off on paternity leave, we're going to take a little break from Pop History, but we're going to return for one hell of a spooky, spooky season. And I'll tell you what, since we've got a little time, why don't y'all hit us up and let us know what you th- would like to hear more about in a scary episode. Yeah. We're all ears. We haven't decided what those episodes no, are No, we haven't. Yet, not so. yet, so hit us up. We're all, we are all ears, of course. And all no eyes. Oh. Well, our eyes haven't been taken yet, but I am an organ donor. Thank you guys <laughs> so much for joining As us on this, <laughs> I mean, horny for me, and I hope horny for ye episode of Pop History. Thank you, Dirty Dancing, for giving me the slip of a lifetime. My name is Jackie Zabrowski. And you can follow me on Instagram at Jack That Worm. You can also come check me out. I'll be screaming into the ether without my work husband around over on twitch.tv forward slash oh no, it's Jackie. Uh, check me out while I'm uh, not during the month of August, after August 19th until maybe late September, uh, if not October, check me out on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash Holdenators Ho. Um, when I come back, I'll have Monday, Tuesday, Friday streams. I feel like we're sending you off to the war. I know. I feel like I'm, I'm putting me in a boat and I'm going to the uh, the place at the end of Lord of the Rings. Hope you don't die young. Uh, and <laughs> what else? I guess uh, I'm gonna die young. <laughs> check out the catch episode if you want. This is good three-parter, two-parter. Uh, I digress. Holdnator's Ho. Oh, that was the other thing. Patreon.com forward slash page seven podcast. Check us out. If you want to support us further, Jackie is reading a bunch of Twilight and we do weekly episodes called Tucker TV and it's a good time. Natalie. The Natalie Jean. And you can listen to me and Amber talk about Really sad uh, missing women's cases that are also very interesting, I Fuck guess. yeah, man. Is that Spun, a weird thing son? to say? Someplace underneath. And you can uh, also follow that on Instagram and TikTok. Is out of my league. All right, everybody. Oh, she's like the wind. She's like the wind. Have Go a good get one, guys. Her. Bye, guys. We'll talk to you soon. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.